0: Let's pray quickly. Even this moment, I really just trust that you position your heart uh, to hear from God, even as I'm going to read from Scripture. Scripture is powerful, more powerful than what I can say. Scripture can speak to you, and Jesus can speak to you. So really, it's just saying, Jesus, will you speak to me? And remember, we don't have because we don't ask, and we don't have because we don't ask sort of coming and believing. I want to encourage you to just set your mind on the fact that Jesus loves you, and He wants to do something supernatural in you. No matter what your need is right now, Jesus loves you. So come on, let's just ask. Jesus to do something supernatural Jesus we come to you right now and we all ask you to speak to us even as we look at your words uh, we can come confidently believing that you can do a miracle we don't have to doubt we don't have to second guess that you love us scripture says that there's nothing you can do that we can do to make you love us more or less that you love us fully so for all of us in this room as individuals or married couples, you see our need. You see the questions we have, or or anything—physical healing, uh, whatever we need right now—we bring it to you and we open up our lives. I pray that, um, our, yeah, you you position us, that you help us have soft hearts, so we can receive everything um, that you want to do, and and we be easily led by you, in Jesus' name. Remember, everyone who believed, it said, Amen. Amen. Awesome. You guys, take your seats. It's so good to be. In the house, um, and yeah, we've we've had the privilege of not only being together as a church family here at um, Table View this morning. We've been connected uh, with Malbos and with um, with Camps Bay this morning. And for for anyone who doesn't know, Camps Bay had their second week of church. Um, and again, we had first-time guests from Camp Spain in the first service and the second. Um, and we had first-time guests last week, of course, as well. So again, first-time guests and Salvation's there. And and really, just in this COVID season, um, you know, we could easily be sitting gang you know uh, what's gonna happen how's the church gonna look and for us we saw the opportunity to spread out to actually go let's position ourselves for more Uh, let's let's put our hands up and say God we're open for more Uh, we're not gonna be stuck by the the seating restrictions because there are no sending restrictions so let's send people out and and we know that our future is wrapped up in the seed we sow today okay Um, and so you want to guarantee yourself of a future tomorrow you need sow something today, and that's what we decided in COVID. We're not going to um, like be say question what tomorrow going to look like. We're going to, um, in faith, set up tomorrow, and sow seed into the soil of Cape Town, and and really believe for more. So we are super excited uh, just to see what comes of this. We're doing it full of faith. We're doing it believing that God can do the miraculous. So I encourage you to to believe with us, to pray for, uh, with us for camps. Bay pray for was pray for table view and also why don't you come expectant to church um, because I promise you we are a church that has sowed in the season so so if you if you want to know if we're positioned for more we are positioned for more and our main goal is people saved. Um, and and also people experiencing healing and and this whole weekend just praying for you guys. Um, I've just been praying for you guys as individuals. Really, just praying um, that God does something for you. Whatever your need is healing, salvation. That's just been my prayer the whole weekend. Um, just um, just interceding and and I'll do that. i almost start on Wednesday. I'll start praying for the services, praying for people who are going to walk into church. And so we're excited. We've been doing a series called Dangerous Prayers. Um, and the funniest thing that I just did right now is I just opened up an iPad that's not mine. And I realized it's my wife's. But luckily, I just shared the notes onto my phone. Come on, technology, from my phone. <laughs> I was like, oh, my hat. Wrong iPad. My daughter's clearly just moved one to the other. So we, we've been doing a series called Dangerous Prayers. And, and last week, James preached so well. We honor you, James. Thanks so much. And and James spoke about the harvest, and I loved how he mentioned that he was actually part of a physical harvest in Zambia. If you don't know, James was in the mission field, him and Jess, and how when he went out there, everyone was there the young, old, and, and I just love that picture, that the urgency and, and the need was for everyone to go. And and I really believe that is Jesus' heart. And we see it in a prayer He prayed. In James 17, verse 20 to 21, um, Jesus says, um, and I ask not only for these disciples, but also for all those who will one day believe in me through their me- uh, their message. And of course, He's saying, these disciples will carry a message. And so I'm not only praying for them, I'm also praying for everyone who will up believing so he's actually praying for us uh, this scripture is for us and it's a dangerous prayer against the the enemy's plans to see how full it's a prayer that Jesus had so that heaven would be full and 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 his children would be close to him he says I pray for them all to be joined together as one even as you and I father are joined together as one that's quite an intense prayer because we know that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit—the um, uh, Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit—are in total unity. And, and He says, "That's the kind of unity I'm going to pray for for the church. I'm going to pray for for Christians." So He says, "Pray that they be one. And I pray for them to become one uh, with us, so that the world will recognize that you sent me." Uh, Jesus' desire is that you and I would be one. And let's face it, there's so many different personalities. Let's not not sort of try to go, if you can't be one, you're a bad person. We all struggle to be in unity uh, with people who are different to us. Anyone agree? It's normal. It's pretty normal. Um, But it's weird. Whenever I'm in worship, my desire for unity grows. Um, I want to lay aside me, and I want to connect with you. I want more for you. I want God to do something miraculous in you. And I find whenever I'm in worship, I want to encourage. And I always think even with that encouragement, I want to speak into people's future uh, in a way that stirs them up to do more and to reach their destiny. But I think that's because in that space, I'm connecting with God. Worship is your most intimate place with God. And, of course, it's the place where you truly get transformed. So, so whenever you're in worship, you'll actually have a sense, and you might not even realize this, but you will actually, I believe, once you truly connect God, to have a sense um, of, of I believe, purpose on your life, um, spiritual gifts on your life. They, they'll almost be like you become more aware of it, but, but it's because you're in the throne room of Christ. Because you enter, uh, of course, through the gates of, with thanks and praise through the gates, and then into the throne room. Um, and in that place, I find that, that I want to be in unity and I want to connect. So, so if you think about it, when I'm not in worship, there's a big chance that I won't be in unity. But when I'm in God's presence and, I, and I'm continually getting close to Jesus, there's a way better chance of being in unity. So Jesus prays for the disciples who've been with him. And then he prays for us. and And he prays for us because actually we all have the same goal. We actually all have the same purpose on earth. You and I are meant to be fishermen. We are supposed to be fishing for men and women so they get saved. And we spoke about that last week. And James mentioned it, and I mentioned it in the morning. And and if you think about fishermen, um, um, anyone ever met a passionate fisherman? Anyone? Would they wake up at any point to go fishing? Anytime. Hey? Come on. Had, they speak about fishing. I, there used to be a group in our church, an interest group, that Paul Van Collar ran, uh, where they would just make, um, what, what is it, like the hooks and the flies and there? What is it? Like they would do that. I was like, wow, I don't want to be part of that group. Because I've just never got into fishing. I promise you, they had a group, and they loved it. And they would bring their stuff, and they would talk, and they'd bring their box, and they'd look in there. Oh, bro, look at that. Oh, like I'm like, like, I didn't get it, I was like. <laughs> it's like when I started surfing, I played rugby and soccer, played t- everything, tennis, everything, and then I surfed. And it was almost like surfing was just part of my social thing. But when I hang out with hardcore surfers, I just didn't understand the lingo. you're, you're, you're I was like, bro, don't you guys speak English here? Like, but, but like you meet people who are passionate, it's like they're speaking another language, like you know what I mean? Like, and so I didn't understand any of the terminology around fishing. But Paul was passionate, and he still is. His sons, like, he puts up photos of fish. But I've seen so many people who are passionate. Come on, about fishing. Uh, James mentioned how in the harvest time they go out, like what it was, it, four in the morning. four in the morning, you know what I mean? Who goes out four in the morning? People who are passionate about a harvest, and and here's here's what. I understood is when you follow Jesus closely you will become passionate about things Jesus is passionate about and that's what you need to understand people who end up reaching their destiny are passionate people it sounds quite weird and it might not be like that you oh, my personality. No, no, no. You, you just, you think about it. You pray about it. It's something that's on, in your life. And and I want to encourage you, whatever you follow closely, you'll become passionate about. And if your passion for Jesus' kingdom has sort of gone a bit down, there's a big chance you're not following Him closely. But when you follow Jesus, you actually become passionate about his thing. And we've actually all got the same goal. We've, we've all got the same role to play and, and there's the same finish line. This year, I wasn't gonna do this, but everyone keeps telling me, even before I walked in, but, but Liverpool are 4-0 ahead in the game. Anyway, so, and you guys know I'm a massive Liverpool supporter. And Liverpool says you'll never walk alone and that's just a sign of unity. And if you want to be alone, you say glory, glory, man. But anyway, and one thing you'll never see in heaven is a red devil. And that's not against United, that's just the truth. But but even as they're playing right now, they all, man United, have a goal. They're trying to score in, and Liverpool have a goal, they're trying to score in. Everyone's got the same goal in a way. To get the ball into the net. You and I actually have the same goal. We don't have a different goal. But the enemy wants you to think we have a different goal. Yeah. Sama, you know, Andre, I come to church, my goal is worship. Yes, it is to worship him. But, but Jesus wants you to fall so in love with him, get so close to him that you become passionate about what he's passionate about. And Jesus is passionate about people. Yeah. Yeah? And, and that's why you can't say you love God and you hate people. so there's only one goal you say well my goal is the word well the word should transform you get closer to you so that you become passionate about what Jesus is passionate about we actually all have the same goal we don't actually have a separate goal And, and sometimes people start measuring their church life by what they're passionate about like this specific thing but it should all lead to one goal it should all lead to us being saved, being free, and becoming more like Jesus. And once we get that, then we realize we only win when we all win. We don't win separately. You know what, if, if, if Liverpool went out and Mo Salah is playing, let's say, um, I don't even know where they're playing, but if Mo Salah is like gets to Anfield, because they're actually not playing at Anfield tonight. Anfield's a home ground of Liverpool. They're playing at Old Trafford which is the reason why that 4-0 is even bigger. Anyway, but um, <laughs> God is faithful. But, but if Moe and, and, and was playing in Anfield, even if he plays his best at Anfield tonight, it's not gonna add any value to Liverpool because Liverpool are playing at Old Trafford. <laughs> yeah, that's why I get confused. I don't need the church. I don't think you can't. We're the body. You can't reach your destiny without the body. We need each other. We're better together. And that's why Jesus says, I pray that they'll be one. He doesn't say, I pray that they'll be isolated. I pray that they'll be separated. I pray that they'll be in that space. But, but I'm not saying we, we the church, we want to be one of the great blessings to our community. And I pray for all our churches. But everyone needs church. Everyone needs a church family to actually reach their destiny, but not only to reach your destiny, more importantly, so God's mission on earth is fulfilled. That's more important. It isn't about us. But what's crazy is, as we decide and declare and we will wake to the fact that it's not about us, that's the biggest blessing to us. Like the biggest blessing to you is the day you start living for more than you. That's why it says the world of the generous gets larger and larger, but the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. And, And that's the crazy trap is if you start doing stuff for yourself or for selfish reasons, it actually stops the church from reaching its goal. It stops God's plan on earth. God's plan on earth is never fulfilled in a selfish environment. It's fulfilled in a generous environment. And I'm speaking to myself, clearly I need to keep growing. I need to be in His presence because it's in His presence that I stay generous. But if I'm not in His presence, then then I'm not going to be in unity and I'm not going to stay committed. And, and that's why I encourage you, whenever you face testing times that cause you to feel like you want to unplug from the church, push through it because your destiny has always been wrapped up in a church. And whatever can't be tested, can't be trusted. And and growing character, um, talent will get you in the game. You know, It'll get you on team, but character keeps you in the game long enough to get a win. Staying on team is truly what gets you a win. So you can be talented and you can become the greatest guitarist in your bedroom, but you'll only grow your character in relationship. Your destiny has always been in relationship. If you have friends who've stopped coming and they're isolated, call them back. Invite them back. Um, I encourage you to, Satan wants you, people to be disconnected. Um, he wants them to be in disunity, ineffective. But Jesus wants you in unity. See, in disunity, even your prayers are ineffective as a married couple. I mean, you guys know that. In 1 Peter 3 verse 7, it says, In the same way, husbands must give um, honor to their wives. Uh, And then it goes on to say, "Treat her as you should, so your prayers will not be hindered." You don't treat your wife well, there's a hindrance in your prayer life. If you don't, if you don't unity, all the women love this scripture, like I'm, like looking at their husband, like you're the reason we actually haven't been. But of course, we know there's mutual submission. There's a mutual honor. But, but the, uh, unity, actually, because because it says in Scripture, how beautiful is it when brothers dwell together in unity. Uh, that's where God commands a blessing. And, and so, so God blesses and God's going to do something supernatural in your life and you as a person will be blessed, I have no doubt. But isolated, you won't be as blessed. That's why I always tell people when they get married, um, it's like two pieces of paper super glued together. Prior to it, you were just a piece of paper. Now you super glued and, and you glued. And, and if you started to do things separately, the only way to do it would be to be torn apart. And now what seems separate, could bless you as an individual, will hurt the unity. And and so now, even for us as the body, uh, we are His body, we are together, but the separate things actually can hurt the body, hurt the purpose, and you and I need to be in unity. Famous scripture about unity, Genesis 11. Uh, Tower of Babel, I don't know if you guys know about it, It says the earth, they were all in one place, off in Babylon, part of the world, and they all spoke one language, and they decided to build a tower, and and they made it with hard bricks, they weren't working with stone, they said, let's build a tower, and and it goes into say, you know, and and make a, a name for ourselves, become famous. And they wanted to build this tower that was higher than anything, the first skyscraper ever on the planet. They were going to build it, and God sees it. And, and He says, because of their unity, nothing will be impossible for them. They're speaking the same language. They've got the same goal. It's, it's, nothing will be impossible for them, but the, the thing they were building, the, the goal was wrong. So God brings confusion. He, he changes their language, and they get scattered. We know then, of course, a lot of writers write that on the day of Pentecost where people spoke in tongues and, and, and there was this clarity that came and people heard other people speaking in their language. It's like God actually reminded us that what he was doing through the Holy Spirit would bring a unity. And, and, and that was the day that disunity came, but God would bring a unity back. But, but what's crazy is that in that space, even though there was unity, there was wrong purpose. So you need to, to, of course, check as God's gonna pray for you to reach your destiny. Some of us get caught up in the wrong purpose and and it's a famous thought and you guys know it, but birds of a feather flock together. If you find that you're always talking about negative things, destructive things, against and that, and then you look up and, and, and all your friends are also speaking about it, you've now come around something negative. Some people come around offense. Some people come around unforgiveness. And I encourage you, awake yourself, husbands and wives, protect yourselves. But if you are finding yourself congregating around something that's not a kingdom thing, it's gonna end up hurting your marriage. It's gonna end up hurting your, your kids. Get away from it. Say it, call it what it is. This, we, we talk about negative things and we think it's fine. Birds of a feather. Like we need to cut that off. We're never gonna reach our destiny. And, and, and you know, so, so, so let's rather cut this off. Like I always find it weird when somebody phones me and says, you know, me and my friends are talking and we have a problem with this. And I'm like, how many other friends? Well, I'm saying, well, to you guys all, well, I'm saying, I want to remind you, birds of a feather flock together. You guys might be attracted to each other and it might be all of your problem. <laughs> and I hear what you're saying. I, I appreciate it. But I also want you to check your circle because you become like the people you spend time with. And, and, and so you need to check that bad company corrupts good character. And the only thing that helps you reach your destiny is your character. So if you have bad company, your character will be eroded. But if you have good company, your character will be built. You can reach your destiny. But there were these people who had a great momentum. But the reason it didn't work was, first of all, did they build this tower to glorify God? No. Did they build this tower to try to find God? No, they built it for their own fame. Was this tower to call people to worship God? No. Was it, to, uh, was it a prayer center? Babylon prayer center? No. The purpose was the main reason it actually ended up not working. The motive was selfishness. The tower was built for self-focus. It was built for fame. It was built to lift up their name. I encourage you, if you're living a life to lift up what will make you famous, I don't know if it's gonna come to fruition, or even if you get quite far, it might end up hurting you more than you can even imagine. But you and I were never—we were never built to carry fame. But we were carried. We were. We were made to make him famous it's like we were reflectors of his glory like we made in his image we, we, we were never made to get worship but we were made to give worship and and so so we need to make sure we remember when jesus calls us to be one it's to make him famous when he calls us to be one it's to show the love of jesus when he calls us to be one it's to be his hands and feet that's the main goal line. There's no other goal line. And, and you can be a Christian in your house or isolated, and I'm speaking to everyone online right now. I'd love you if you can be in the building, come in the building. But if, you, if, if you're not actually becoming more connected in this season, then, then Satan's gonna use COVID for his purpose. And you're gonna be isolated. And if it is causing isolation, come back. Get into unity and start to live for God's purpose. Why do we become selfish? Why do we become self-focused like these people in Babylon became? Well, there's two ways to get to a place where you're self-focused. It's pretty simple. Satan uses two tactics to get you into a selfish life. First tactic, he makes you think you're better than you are. I don't think a lot of people live in that space because I think we all feel slightly insecure, anyone? Agree? They're like, no, only you, Andre. (laughs) We all compare ourselves, and I think social media's fast-tracked that comparison. Come on, we compare ourselves more than we've ever compared. We compare our life. Social media is the biggest lie ever. It gets us to show people our highlight reel, but not our real life. It's like the biggest lie. It's like, it's like the, it's the, if you fixated on social media, I've no doubt you have times of sadness, maybe many times of sadness, because you've actually just been distracted from living your best life, because you're always comparing yours to someone else's. Yeah. But, but, but Satan elevates you, and you go, I'm better than other people. Crazy thing about our country, and you guys know I brought it up, bring it up, but apartheid is, is birthed out of Pride. You must remember, pride is what made the devil the devil. Apartheid was birthed out of we are better than you. And of course, it's a sin to do that. Uh, racism is a great sin. So, so we have a country's past where there's a group of people who said they're better than anyone else. And they said, let's build a nation for ourselves and make ourselves famous. And they started building their own tower. We know God has brought that thing down. Now on the other side of it, There's people who've been oppressed. They said, no one's looked out for us. We have had years of oppression. We have had years of hate. And you know what? I don't trust anyone. I'll never trust a white man. I'll never trust so-and-so. I am gonna start to take care of myself. And the key word there's self. And where Satan got you, the same place he got the prideful man in a world where you took care of yourself. See, what happens is you build a wall and you go, I will never let my family and myself get hurt again by oppression. The prideful man builds a wall. says, we are better and we're not gonna let anyone come into our world. Both people are behind a wall. And Satan goes, yes, they both are self-focused. They both are thinking about themselves. They're both building a life for themselves. The the one's building a life for himself or herself because they think they're better than others. The other one is building a life for himself or herself because others have hurt them. And they say, now's my time to protect myself. And you don't know why your heart's hard, why you're carrying so much pain. And we know the famous line in church, hurt people hurt people. So the... oppressor the oppressed start becoming the oppressors they start hurting other people and Satan goes, I love the country of South Africa. I've got prideful people who've hurt people, and then I've got hurt people, hurting people, and there's just some more hurt. Now Now the, the previously oppressed are gonna try to hurt the oppressor, and I just love it. They're living for them. They're totally distracted from the purpose of Jesus, that in heaven, every tribe and every tongue is gonna worship together, that, that we are a rainbow nation. We can be that one nation on the planet that sets an example for the world. And, and Satan goes, oh, Jesus could do so much for this nation. But if I can just keep them oppressed and selfish, they're going to build for themselves. We end up being blinded by self. Do you want to know if you are self focused? Here's a few things you're easily offended, you're independent. You have little or no dependence on the Holy Spirit. You don't even acknowledge the Holy Spirit's real. You've got a life marked by strife and division. You struggle with authority. You struggle with repentance. You're fueled by impatience. You, are, you use deception or you are manipulating. You're self-exalting. You're unwilling to admit wrong. You don't take criticism or correction well. You turn criticism back on the other person, you get your back up. You make inner vows like this, I will never be like them. Of course, the root of this pride and self-focus is rejection and bitterness. It's crazy is Proverbs, we see Proverbs 16 verse eight says, pride goes before destruction. James four verse six says, God opposes the proud." Satan said in Isaiah 14 verse 13, I'll ascend to heaven and I'll exalt my throne above the stars of God. He was trying to build his own tower. And we know it says Satan fell like lightning. The crazy thing is, even if you've been hurt, you will still try to build a selfish life and you will be self-focused and you're potentially fast-tracking yourself to destruction. You're greedy. Proverbs 1 verse 19 says, Such is the the fate of all who are greedy for money. It robs them of life. If you're just greedy for materialism, it's going to rob you of life. Luke 12 verse 15 says, Jesus said, watch out, be on guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist of an abundance of his possessions. How crazy is this, Proverbs 15 verse 27. Greed brings grief to the whole family. You wonder why there's grief in your marriage. It's because there's greed in your marriage. And, but it's all birthed out of self-focus, bitterness oppression and you become prideful you build a wall can i have some keys up quickly so how are we going to live how are we going to live differently how are we going to keep running towards the same goal how are we going to make sure that satan doesn't win and and we actually see it for what it is that that you know what it's only by the grace of God that I get to reach my destiny he made me wonderfully and skillfully but it's all for his glory it's by his grace that I get to live and there's a lane for me I don't have to compete with other people and and if I can celebrate who God made me then I can celebrate how God made other people I don't need to be somebody who oppresses other people or push them down to get ahead because the real win is in coming together not being separated Or how can I see oppression and pain for what it is and that the hurt in my life is causing me to hurt my family and hurt my friends and hurt my work colleagues and I'm not gonna live like it anymore. I'm gonna call it for what it is. He's not gonna have a a stronghold in my life. I'm actually going to wake up to the fact that he's got a tactic, but even though he's got plans to bring me down, God's got plans to prosper me. How am I gonna do this? Well, I'm actually gonna use the same outline as this morning because it's actually still the same plan. You have to wake up and let this settle in your heart and your mind. Number one, acknowledge that God owns everything and He will take care of His people. You have to acknowledge it. God is going to take care of you. He's the lover of your soul. You're the apple of His eye. He's not going to trick you. You will reach your destiny. He's going to lane for you. You don't have to compete with anyone else. He loves you. He's seen your pain and He's going to bring His healing. He's not going to let this world pass you by. He's gracious. If you have had pain or made mistakes, He's a loving Father. He can do a miracle right now, but I'll let you know He owns everything. He has access to everything you need. And you're His child. You are special to Him. And He would have died just for you if you needed Him to die on the cross. Of course, Philippians 4, verse 9 says, My God shall supply all your needs according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. He'll supply your needs. And, and that's the thing that's kept me in the game, in a way. Whenever I went through a pullout, I've declared, I, Jesus will supply for me at the right time. I remember even serving in this church in my 20s and going through times where I thought, <laughs> like like, like I was, I was late 20s, not married, thinking maybe I'm not supposed to get married. I thought I was to be married 25. In my head, I was like 25. Then when 28 came, you're going, sheesh, what's like? What's up, Jesus? I've been a youth pastor since 21. I always joke at our Bible college I say guys I'm just gonna pray for all our youth pastors now for the gift to be single to their thirty amen. Like guys are like 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 <laughs> But I wanna encourage you that, that I just had to keep in that space that God's timing is perfect. He'll supply all my needs. He knows the desires of my heart. I don't have to compete with anyone else and and I don't have to get prideful. I don't have to get jealous. I don't need to be distracted. I need to stay in the game. There's only one goal. It's to see people saved and reach. and, and in that space, my life will be fuller than it could ever be me, uh, me trying to sort of get things across the line or supply for myself. God will supply for me. I'm not competing with anyone else. Number two, Put God first. God promised to bless us as we put His agenda first. And His agenda is unity. And so when things are going to bring disunity, lay that thing down. Don't even give it a chance. You go, you first, God. Your agenda first. Your plans first. I'm going to submit to that. I'm rather going to step aside so that unity is built, than actually try to tear apart. I'm not gonna, you know, what? I always think if there's ever, if you are bringing disunity or are about to, just go quiet. Don't be the one who brings the disunity because this is his bride. This is his plan for the earth. And and, and it's what I don't get when people speak or they hurt the bride of Christ. Because now think about it, Leanne's my bride. If you hurt my bride, I will hurt you. I'll find a way you I'll find a way but I'll need Jesus to stop me that's why when people start speaking badly about other churches I'm like what are you doing bro yeah, but You I'm like that's still his bride what if we get to heaven and Jesus says they were right you were wrong stop thinking you're right all the time it's his bride just take care of it it's his bride it says, he says in scripture he's coming back for his bride it's his church just don't go there just leave his church alone Serve his church, but don't go and try to pull it down. It's his church. It's his bride. Like, like, just don't go there. Like, rather go quiet. But I encourage you to put his agenda first. Of course, you know Matthew six verse thirty three: Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. All these things will be given to you as well. Number three: Be content. You're going to have to learn to be content. I wrote you, be yourself, everyone else is taken. Like enjoy how God made you. When you live in your land, you're celebrating Him and giving Him glory. You're saying you did a great job, God, and I worship you. But the enemy wants you to not celebrate yourself. And I'm not saying that in a prideful way. I'm saying that in a content way. Because the more content I am, the more I release you to be yourself. But, but when I'm not happy with myself, I'm not gonna let, encourage you to be happy with yourself. I'm always gonna be competing with you. But when I'm content, I can celebrate you. And, and, and people go where they are celebrated, not tolerated. But when I'm not happy with myself and tolerating myself, I'm gonna tolerate you. And, and you're not gonna come around to the space and the church won't be built. So, so learn to be content. Keep your lives free from the love of money. Um, This is uh, Hebrews 30 verse five. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Again, he's saying, I'm gonna take care of you. Paul says in Philippians 4 verse 11, I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I've learned to be content. He's learned to be content. Four last thing is live between the zeros Ecclesiastes 5 is 15 naked a man comes from his mother's womb and as he comes so he departs you need to let that sink in you are not going to be taking anything to heaven with you as you came you will leave yes you get to take people but how do we reach people? together in unity but apart we don't why would God anoint a ministry that's isolated from His bride? And people get saved into something that's never gonna help them reach their destiny. But the anointing's on the bride. is uh, still the biggest evangelism day in the world. Why? Because people who don't know Jesus knows we, know that we meet on Sundays. <laughs> so they go, oh, I might go to church. Today, we had people that came to church first time, don't know Jesus, got saved. It's still the biggest day. And, and I encourage you to live between the zeros. I've never seen a moving truck um, on its way to heaven and I promise you you're not going to see a moving truck at the gates of heaven like you can't take anything else but here's the thing you can bring people and you can store treasures in heaven even as you honor God and serve Him w- what you honor Him with in this life you can f- enjoy forever in eternal life but, but if you're not going to honor Him you know what I mean you're not going to see those things and, and a lot of people don't want to go to heaven because they feel like there's nothing else waiting there, for them but, but we also know that the greatest gift will be Jesus' presence. So I encourage you, live between the zeros. Make the most of this opportunity to serve Him, to be in unity. My wife says this. Um, she wrote this line, what on earth are you doing for heaven's sake? What on earth? Now I think I've said that, right? What on earth are you doing for heaven's sake? <laughs> you need to ask yourself that every morning. What on earth? What am I on this earth, am I doing between the zeros for heaven's sake? For his glory? What am I going to do with my life? And and I believe as we do these things, we'll awaken to the fact that Satan wants us to be in disunity. Satan wants us to be selfish. Satan wants us to think more of ourselves, or Satan wants us to live a hurt life. And Satan wants our destiny to be determined by the people who have oppressed us in the past. And you need to let Satan know he has got no right. And what's happened in our past is the past, but we are victors in Christ. We've got a new beginning. I'm not I'm not uh, I'm not a victim anymore. I've got a victory in Christ. That's That's who I am. I'm a child of God. The old is gone, the new is come. Satan has lost his grip. I will not live based on the the hurt of the past and the oppressors. I will live based on my victory that Jesus got for me on the cross. My life is different right now. Um, I, I'd be surfing. I've surfed Karmas uh, quite a bit. It's a, it's a break that's just to the right of Big Bay. I remember surfing, um, stand up paddling, and I was surfing with a guy named Donovan Bassett. Donovan uh, would have surfed Hawaii uh, one or two bodyboarding competitions, and it was such a clear day, and we were like, "Flip! This is amazing. We live in the best city. I can't believe people live overseas and they struggle." And we just said, "Remember, the only reason Jesus taking along with heaven is because He doesn't want to disappoint Capetonians." <laughs> You know, everyone else is getting Cape on, and we're going to get something else. Anyway, anyway um, when they go to heaven, but um, but he said, Do "You don't know why the water's always clear." I said, "Why?" He says, the, "Well, voca- uh, volcanic rock rolls into the sea, and that's so heavy it gets to the bottom of the ocean, and even the biggest storms can't move it. So there's always clarity." And I thought, "Wow, that's like having a relationship with Jesus. He's the rock." And no matter what the storm is, there's always clarity. You know exactly where you're heading. You know why you're here. You know what the goal is. You, you know that you need to be in unity. You know that He's going to use His church. And, and, and it's simple. You, it's, it's like this heaviness that comes. And that's what the gift of having Jesus in your life brings to your life. Listen here. I was in the N7 years ago, driving to a race. It was five in the morning. It was still dark. It was winter time, And we were driving um, in the direction of, of Edge, Mean and Goodwood. And there was this car on the other side of the road driving the same direction. Clearly, this guy's either from America or he was drunk. Anyway, so you're really like, you know, i joking. But, but something, I don't know what he had done the night before, how the heck he got on that side of the road. So we started flashing, um, hooting, rolled down our windows, and shouting. This guy, honestly, at one point, he looks at us. He's like almost angry, like, then he looks back, he looks at us, and all of a sudden, a truck in the distance, so still far off, its lights came, and then you realised these guys are trying to wave me down, I'm on the wrong side of the road. He slows down, and we slow down, we waited, and he turned, as he turned, he waved, acknowledge that, thank you guys. Yeah. And so we asked him to turn around, You know, there's scripture that says there's a way that seems right to man, but at the end it leads to death. And there is a road that we go down without Jesus, where we go down a road where we try to pay the price for our own sin. And they say hell is a place for people who want to pay the price for their own sin. But heaven's a place where people acknowledge that Jesus is the only one who can pay the price for our sin. And instead of driving down a road, hitting a truck, they change direction. And that's what repentance is. Repentance isn't this ugly word that you're bad. Because we all need repentance. We're all sinners. So everyone needs it. But it's this place where instead of driving in the wrong direction, you, you see the people shouting who want to help you. And you go, oh, there's a way that I can go. And as you turn, you're turning to Jesus who says to you, yes, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And so you can't pay the price of your sin, but I can. And I want to pay it. And so instead of going down the wrong way, you turn and you receive Jesus as your Savior. But not only do you receive His forgiveness, you also make Him the Lord of your life. You And it's simple. You say, Jesus, will you forgive me? And Jesus, will you be number one on my list? Not number two or three. Jesus doesn't come at any other place but first. If He's not first on your list, He's not on your list. So salvation is receiving a forgiveness of Jesus and putting him first in the list. Tonight, if you've not received him, or um, I want to encourage you to receive the free forgiveness, come to him and turn to him and say, Jesus, I need you to forgive me of my sins. For others of you, he's dropped on the list and he's not Lord of your life anymore. And if he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. And so you need to actually make him the Lord of your life again. So, So I'm gonna give you the opportunity. Will you close your eyes quickly? If that's you, I'm gonna count to three. And I just need you to give me a wave. The scripture says, as you acknowledge Christ before others, Christ will acknowledge you before your Father in heaven. So you're just gonna acknowledge Christ before me. You say, I'm gonna, I need to turn to Him or I need to make Him Lord of my life. And then I'm gonna pray for you. One, God loves you so much. Two, tonight's the night of salvation. You have to wait one more day. Three, pop your hand up quickly. That's you, awesome, awesome, awesome. Anyone else? Just give me a wave, say awesome. Anyone else? Just pop, pop your hand up. Say, I'm turning to Him, receiving the free gift. I make, or I'm making Him Lord of my life again. Um, you know he, He's not Lord. Anyone else? Just pop your hand up. Excellent. Thank you, Jesus. You put your hands down quickly. Let's all pray as a church family. Bible says we confess our mouth that He's Lord. Believe in our heart. God raised from the dead. We'll be saved. Let's quickly pray. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. Today, I'm turning to you. I'm turning towards your forgiveness. I'm turning towards your free gift. Thank you so much, Jesus. I confess with my mouth that you are the Son of God. I believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead. Because of this confession and this belief, the Bible says that I'm saved, I'm changed, and I'll never be the same. Thank you for being the Lord of my life. Amen. Come on, let's just thank Jesus in this place. This year, I want to encourage you. To get into church, invite somebody to church. Remember, studies show that the number one reason people don't go to church is they say, No one invited me. <laughs> and what's the worst thing that can happen? They they say no, but they know how much you care. <laughs> so why don't you invite someone to church? Can't wait to see you on Sunday. If you need to get into a group, view group, or growth track, first Tuesday of November, if you need to, we've got a stand out there for growth track, view group, or dream team. Why don't you find a circle? You're going to learn a row, but you can grow in a circle. Why don't you take your next step um, into a new you people welcome enjoy your voucher um, have a great sunday and and I'll just let you know uh, the score's 5-0 now anyway, anyway.